and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, how yeah. you doing? Uh, we are, um, I think, in the... Uh, well, I'm trying to think of a nautical term for where we are. Are we uh, in the doldrums? Is I that where we are? I guess so. I think just adrift sounds good to me. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is what the show is going to be for the foreseeable future. You and yeah. I doing this uh, in different locations. It's not a... It's not what Battleship Retention has ever been, but uh, we're making it work. We're making do, just like everyone. Yeah. Um, in fact, I wanted to ask you, uh, it's the, the question in everybody's mind, uh, who has the luxury of being home all the time, like you and I do, mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of people who still have to leave their homes every day for work. Yeah. Um, but for those of us who have the luxury of, of working from working remotely and, and everything, what have you been doing with the presumed extra free time that you have? Well, most of it, uh, the free time hasn't really kicked in yet. Um, yeah, same. Because there are all kinds of technical specifications that need to be figured out as far as, uh, you know, um, in my case, lecturing remotely and still having to put together my slideshows and then finding movies that I can that I can stream on my computer, sharing my screen with my students, stuff like that. Um, and at first it was tough because the program that I'm using is Zoom, which is a really great program as far as like uh, conference calls and that sort of thing. And because I'm a, I'm a teacher, like I automatically was entitled to uh, a, a pro account, which means like up to 300 people can, can uh, call in, which is great. Um, but it took forever to get my account uh, information because there actually is like a person when you make a request, there's somebody on the other side that needs to like make sure that you actually work for the school that you say you work for stuff like that. And, uh, so when I sent in the request, they said like, please allow 72 hours due to high volume. And that's when I realized that every college instructor in the country is using zoom. (laughs) And, uh, so it's, it's crazy. And, um, but it seems to be working now. I kind of have a nice flow going and, uh, you know, it definitely is not the same as lecturing in person. Uh, you come to realize as you and I have talked about when recording in person is that you can read the room, you can read people's body language. You can look at the expression on their face and, uh, you can adjust your volume. You can adjust your energy accordingly. And that is not something that we, that I can do, uh, when lecturing remotely. So it's, so it's, it certainly is unfortunate. Uh, yes, I'd rather, I'd rather be doing this than, uh, being exposed or exposing somebody else to, uh, illness or anything like that. But I definitely find that while it's nice not having a one hour commute, um, I definitely find that, uh, I, I, I kind of get energy from being in front of people, not to suggest that like, Hmm. like I like being the center of attention. It's not so much that as it is just being able to interact with my students and respond to them is something that I don't think I realized was as important as it is until it was, uh, until it was gone. What about you? What are you doing? Well, I, uh, I'm in, I mean, not, not in any way the same circumstances, but the same boat is something you said earlier in that I don't, I'm not finding myself with a significantly increased amount of free time. My work is very busy for me right now. 
Um, I can't really talk about uh, why. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, in the, I would say, well, to speak generally about it, in the movie industry, a lot of what we're hearing about all the thing or about all the things that are delayed. We talked about it on the show last week, you know, which we recorded 15 years ago. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, movies getting pushed back. James Bond movies getting pushed back. Mulan, uh, a quiet place. Part two. I had my screening canceled and then, uh, uh, that's not coming out. Uh, like everything's being pushed. They just black widow, I guess is getting pushed. I, I'm just reading uh, that yesterday. Everything's being pushed back, but you're also, it, keep in mind if you're also hearing these stories about how oh all this stuff that was in the theater you know birds of prey emma and all this stuff is in the theater is going to be available on demand this week yeah um so not to get too much into specifics but that sort of thing means for someone in my job there's suddenly a bigger workload like there's and everything's a big rush like there's a lot of stuff that has to get ready for that sort of thing to happen um so yeah, while I, I, I work in the movie industry, you know, in a, in a way, and movies are getting delayed in the immediate present, I'm very, very busy um, uh, yeah. from home here. So I haven't had that much extra time. Um, the extra time has come more in the evenings when Natalie and I would be, like, going out or, you know, going sure. to bar trivia. We didn't get to go to our bar trivia, obviously, that uh, um, is going to be on hold for a while. Um, so the... In that sense, the the that that's where I'm having more free time. And Natalie and I have been where you'll hear about uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber, which I would definitely. Hey, if you if you're at home and you've got more time on your hands, why not subscribe to the Battleship Pretension Patreon? Sure, you'll get double the Battleship Pretension, and including if you want to spend the if you want to be the uh, an admiral, you can get video and, right. and, and watch this. You can oh, this will be a fun time to sign up for the Patreon video uh, because if you've Look, you are, might already know what Tyler's home looks like right. because that's where we've recorded all the video ones so far. Now you're going to see my uh, office slash den slash guest room. Um, uh, so that's that, that's a fun peek behind the curtains. Yeah, um, I did have that, that thought in regards to my students. Is it like, oh, well, now they can see what my office looks like and my computer faces my shelf of movies. And so my, <laughs> my hope is that, uh, I, I definitely look more like I know what I'm talking about, uh, or at all. Right. Um, well, he must I, look at all those movies. Exactly. It's like, well, I guess he, I guess he knows a lot. Look at all that. Look at all those uh, <laughs> movies that many of which he hasn't seen. <laughs> Yeah, you're like a TV lawyer standing in front of a wall of books. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Presumably, he's read all those books. Why yeah. else would he have them? Um, and so what I was saying is, if you subscribe to the Patreon, we do uh, a roughly monthly-ish uh, TV journal catch-up episode. I will have lots of that to talk about. Um, Indeed, yes. Yeah, I think, I mean, on the last TV journal, I was just barely starting the... I, I, I've since... So basically, Natalie and I have finished all the shits creek that's on netflix we're just waiting for the 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 new season plus there's all these new shows um uh this week we saw the premiere of the plot against america and little fires everywhere you know um there's there's more there's more coming insecure is coming back so uh we've been filling it a lot with television more than more than movies but we've also been playing cards and board, we've been playing Scrabble. We've been yeah. playing Go Fish. We've been uh, having a grand old time with that. Yeah, uh, for Christmas, I got a couple of board games. One is a Jaws board game, and then the, 
The other is called Horrified, which is themed around the Universal Monsters. And they've just been like, I got them for Christmas. I was excited about them, but I also realized that I didn't have any time to learn them. Uh, I do now. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so but- Jen and I probably today we're going to uh, figure out how to play one of them and, and see if it was uh, worth getting. Yeah, speaking of, not this past Christmas, but Christmas 2018, Natalie and I um, sort of went in together, got ourselves a new, like, a new turntable, receiver, speakers, a, like, stand for the, like, a whole setup for records, and, like, we mostly just use it on the rare occasion that we have company, you know? That's when we listen. Now that we're at home playing board games and cards all the time, we're really getting back into our record collection, uh, which has been, which has been fun. We've listened to some... um, uh, we listened to some built to spill yesterday. Oh wow! Some uh, some some blonde redhead. Next, we'll, we'll venture outside of the bees. Um, we also listened to Annette Funicello's country album, which is really bad <laughs> but really charming. Uh, there is ba- there is basically a, a few years ago there was a, a and now I'm forgetting what it's. It has a really generic name. It's a record store in Hollywood. That's it's literally just called like Record Chop, or I can't remember what it's called. But they did a thing a few years ago where if you spent a certain amount, they had a back room with just stacks and stacks of records they couldn't sell. And they were like, literally, if you spend enough, you get to go into this back room and whatever you can carry out, you can have. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure that's where I got Annette Funicello's country record. Sure. Um, uh, yeah. So that's, that's what we've been, that's what we've been listening to. Um, and, I, and I did also want to uh, let people know that, uh, if you're looking for stuff to watch, I do have a documentary available called Real Redemption, The Rise of Christian Cinema, which is available at Faith Life TV. You can uh, sign up for a two-week uh, free trial for that. And while you're at it, you can also watch my uh, nine-part series, Faith and Filmmaking. So uh, if battlesh- if the, the regular Battleship Pretension and if the Patreon Battleship Pretension isn't enough, you can always get more Tyler Smith over at faithlifetv.com. And, uh, yeah, it's, and I, 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 we, we did sort of a soft release, uh, for the film, but then, uh, they were going to, for the 23rd, they were going to like really, uh, publicize it and stuff. And so I emailed, I said like, Hey, look, I don't know how much work you guys are doing right now, but now is really the time to publicize stuff that is streaming (laughs) because, you know, critics like critic screenings are canceled. Movie theaters are yeah. closed and movies are getting pushed. So like critics that might not otherwise have cared about this. Now they might be eager to review it just so there's content on right. their site. So, uh, so yeah, we're, we're going to be doing a, a push for that, but you, the listener, you can uh, check it out, uh, as well for free. So go to faith life TV for that. And it's called real redemption, the rise of Christian cinema. Correct. Yes. Thank you. Now, do you, how many people do you think have accidentally watched it thinking it's a documentary about Arizona Senator Kirsten cinema? Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say like 78%. (laughs) That's Um, mostly how you're getting them. Yeah. You're roping them in. Yeah. Like, you know, I went to her (laughs) Facebook, uh, page and I posted a link there. Uh, and we've gotten a lot of likes, uh, and then a lot of really those angry faces because people soon realized it was not about her. Um, but, uh, anyway, so, okay. Uh, all right. But you know what? Being busy at work, even though I'm working from home, I still have a lot of time to listen to music while I'm, while I'm nose deep in, in emails, uh, and, and all that, all that kind of stuff. Is, so I've uh, been, is one of the things you're listening to the killing floor by Jackson Harper. Oh, were you going to do that one first? Yes. 
Uh, okay, I, yeah, I let's figured. do that. They do um, go together really yeah. well, thankfully. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Let's say I've been listening to that. It, <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, you, the listener, if you're looking for, for music to listen to, you can check out The Killin' Floor, the new album by Jackson Harper, the artist formerly known as A Horse and His Boy, co-produced with Ryan Michael from uh, the Dallas band The Room Sounds. The Killin' Floor is a raw, intimate, yet ultimately epic tale of love lost and wisdom gained. Through 11 songs and one brief anecdote, Harper weaves together lyrical themes of heartbreak, longing, anger, death, resurrection, and joy, presenting them in a stark acoustic style that recalls Johnny Cash or Towns Van Zandt. The Killin' Floor, as well as Harper's Music City Exports EP, is available for purchase on iTunes or streaming on Spotify, Apple, and all other major platforms. So do uh, check that out. Uh, Jackson Harper puts out some uh, some good music, and I think you'll enjoy it. But the be- how is the be- how should they listen to it, David? You should listen to it on your tweakedaudio.com earbuds. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. I'm still using them each and every day. Um, today I was listening to new, mu- t- listening to new music from Half Wave, which is one of those uh, bands that sounds like a band, but is really just a one person uh, mm. deal. Um, and uh, her name is uh, Nandy Rose Plunkett, and she is uh, a member also a member of the band Pine Grove, which I've talked about on the podcast before as being kind of a, a problematic fave mm. um, because of some Me Too uh, issues, oh, but I not see. with Nandy Rose Plunkett. So if you want any of that Pine Grove ma- magic without any of the problematicness, listen to Half Wave and listen to it on any tweakedaudio.com earbuds. It sounds great. Um, they're available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler? Yes. Let's get into it, shall we? Okay. Um, this, uh, I've, it feels weird to be talking about anything other than the coronavirus and quarantining, but this was the topic we had on the books. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about it. Um, uh, I'm not really sure what the, uh, uh, uh you know, I want to like, I want to try and tie it to something like current, but I can't really, um, except, Oh, there is. Yeah, actually, I, this is what I told you. I was going to try and tie it to is, uh, uh, Vladimir Putin is trying to remain president, uh, for the foreseeable, uh, future for at least 16 more years. Um, and uh, it will make him the longest serving Russian leader since Joseph Stalin. So we thought we'd focus on uh, uh, right. the Cold War. It does seem funny to refer to it as serving because uh, somehow I get the impression. <laughs> yeah, that's not exa- what he's doing. Yeah. It's exactly the opposite. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And this this was in my mind as well, because in my uh, various film history classes, uh, I've been talking about the impact of the cold war on film. And, uh, it had a pretty big impact. 
Uh, it, certainly in American film, it gave, uh, it gave us a perpetual enemy to incorporate into uh, our movies. And what I will say is that I'm, I want to try and, in the movies that we talk about, because we're talking about Cold War movies, now there are, of course subcategories and i do want to try to avoid yeah i don't necessarily want to talk about movies about mccarthyism even though that is couched within the cold war um vietnam is a came about as a function of the cold war but it's very much its own thing Um, yeah you're getting right into you're getting into stuff i was going to talk about was that there are so the cold war was so went on for so long and was so pervasive and and dictated how he thought about the world that there are so many movies that you could say are cold war war movies so yeah that's a that's a good yeah i did put like i put some vietnam stuff on my list just kind of to 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 bring up what you were what you were saying um but um but then how do you is we're talking about the vietnam war so okay the deer hunter not really a cold war movie but is the quiet american a cold war i would consider the quiet american a cold war movie uh, because it is about the origins of Vietnam without ever actually getting into the war itself. But, you know, when you realize, and in this regard, the fog of war could also count as that because you have Robert hmm. McNamara talking about the cold war, uh, quite a bit. And the way he frames Vietnam is that, you know, when Aaron Morris asks him about like, how did we get into that? He says, well, you need to think about it in terms of the cold war and so, yes, so The Quiet American and maybe even something like uh, Charlie Wilson's War, uh, where there are so many other things came about as a result yeah. of the Cold War. And those other things are themselves, you know, other, obviously, other things in real life, but other genres of, of movies. And so, uh, but I'm perfectly well, that- fine to to talk about the Cold War uh, movies that uh, use the Cold War as like, yes, this is the thing that sparked this other thing that we eventually came to understand uh, what it would become. So yeah, I would count uh, the well, Quiet I American. Think, so the, the thing, uh, the, the thing that the Quiet American and Charlie Wilson's War have in common, while not being specifically Cold War movies, although Charlie Wilson's War is pretty much about a proxy war, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, but what the, one thing they have in common is the CIA. Sure. And um that's something that you talk about different different genres. I mean, what what would the spy movie genre as we know it be without the Cold War? Exactly. Like there's yeah. we could do uh, we could do an entire episode just on Cold War spy movies. Um we could also do an entire I like uh, I almost felt bad putting certain stuff on my list like the right stuff for first man because I realized we could do a whole episode on space race. Yeah, it's uh, but that's but that's like the right stuff is a cold war movie as far as I'm concerned. Uh yeah, I mean I guess it def I guess it uh, it qualifies. I didn't put it on on my list, but uh at the but I did put plenty of spy movies uh like spy and espionage films. Um Specifically, like when the characters have direct interaction with communists. Um, And so, you know, when you deal with somebody like, you know, movies like James Bond, uh, the the 007 series, I mean, obviously those exist as a function of the Cold War. But to my knowledge, he 
is not often dealing with specifically like Soviet spies. It's usually uh, some other organization that he's dealing yeah. with. Uh, but well, it that's clear, we're going to clearly is inspired by that. This this brings me to a subcategory. This is kind of coming. This is a late in the game subcategory that I found fascinating, but that and these are both I think nineteen ninety five movies. But Goldeneye mm-hmm. is ninety five, and Crimson Tide are both movies in which it's not the Soviets, but it is post Soviet Russia has led to the the villain or the or the threat. In, in the movie, you know, yeah. in, in, in a way like um, Goldeneye might address actual Soviet Russia more head on than almost any other James Bond movie, uh, because it's specifically about like former Soviet. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what they are, but uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it's I think it's Sky. Uh, no, not Sky. I think it might be a Casino Royale where M played by Judy Dench, she mentions, you know, the way the world has changed where you never really know where your enemy is coming from. And then she says, I think she says like, Christ, I missed the cold war. Um, and yeah, that's, well, and that's also a joke in, um, uh, doesn't rip torn say it in, uh, uh, Canadian bacon. Doesn't he say <laughs> something about, it? I'll be honest. I don't remember. Um, uh, and another, uh, but another movie that I just remembered, or actually there's a couple of them with like the peacemaker and like broken arrow are both movies that like are specifically about like nukes falling into falling into other, like uh, into other people's hands because of the breakdown of the Soviet union. Yeah. And, and you also get probably as a function of like the Cuban missile crisis, you also get, Films and you know what I can't even think of them off the top of my head, uh, but the idea of the the mad general and that's something that you'd find in movies about the U.S. as well as Russia. But like the 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 general who thinks that uh, that the politicians aren't doing enough, you know, and and so I think that's what, sure. that's actually I think what you get with um, Doctor Strangelove. Uh, well, certainly, but I was going to say Crimson Tide is that there's a guy who is okay. who's looking to like take over the Russian government. And he's still he's a military man, and he still uh, is a little bit bitter about the Cold War, it would appear. And so he's our primary threat. So the concept of returning to the Cold War and and Russians or maybe even um, United States military men specifically wanting to go back to this where like, Oh, we forgot who our enemies are. And now we're friends with them. That's bullshit. We all know we can't trust these people. Um, and of course there's <laughs> that wonderful Simpsons episode, uh, where the, at the UN, uh, the Soviet, uh, the, the, the Russian ambassador refers to the Soviet union. They said like, uh, and then someone says, I thought you broke up. And he goes, ah, that's what we wanted you to think. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, all of the, he pushes a button and the tanks come back and walls go back up. And then, uh, uh, Lenin breaks out of his tomb and says, must that's crush, right. must crush capitalism. Uh, so that idea of like returning to the cold war is something that, uh, is sort of a theme in certainly in movies that take place once it once it is over it's almost as though hollywood is like no we we had this all worked out oh, yes yeah, we got yes yeah. we got to change our uh change the script yeah uh, well luckily i put mine um 
uh, chron- my list chronologically, like like usual, so mm-hmm. I could uh, see if I can see any like okay, two thousand one behind enemy lines. Now that's a movie in which Bosnians are the bad guys, mm. but it feels I don't know if this is the case. It feels like it was a script where they were like, shit, I guess we can't. We have to change it to Bosnians <laughs> or something. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but like it does feel like let's pivot to Bosnia. Um, yeah, and I mean everything about and you know what I didn't I I don't think I saw all of Behind Enemy Lines. I think you were watching it, and I walked in and watched a little bit with you. Yeah, I, I might be back wrong when about we lived that. together. We yeah. don't to the listeners. We don't live together anymore. Correct. Yes, uh, and we haven't for uh, fifteen years. Fifteen years. Yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. 2000 no wait yeah yeah right or yeah. did i move out yeah i mean i we, can't remember when we moved in like i mean i got married in 2005 and so we all yeah moved so that's out. right yeah. yeah um so uh and everything about that movie is a throwback anyway uh it feels yeah. very much like a movie made in the 80s yeah yeah so maybe maybe i'm right maybe it was a an old an old screenplay uh all right so i wanted to get to something you mentioned well, uh, you mentioned the Cuban Missile Crisis, and I've got two movies about the Cuban Missile Crisis on my list. I've got 13 Days yeah. from the year 2000, and I've got Matinee. Um, oh, shoot. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, two very different looks uh, um, at, at the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, and weirdly, the comedy, Matinee, <laughs> Matinee is in a way like the scarier one. Oh yeah. Of I, to course. me at least because with 13 days, you've got the, uh, it's, you know, inside the, the, the white house and you've got people, you and I have talked about this on a, when we did our, uh, uh I can't remember what the name of the commentary was when it was all alien invasions, uh, uh, space invaders, space invaders. And I was talking about how I find signs to be a scarier movie than the thing, because in the thing, everyone's being active, proactive, trying to, even though, even though it's like, they're all going to lose or whatever, like they're still actively trying to do something with signs. They're just scared and hiding. And to me, for what like scares me in the world, if people are actually trying to get stuff done, that in itself is a little bit of a of a salve to me. So like, uh, 13 days, I do think is a really good movie. Um, uh, and, and, and has a lot of great, like forward momentum and, and, and tension, yeah. but it, do, it doesn't have that sort of like low boiling dread of, uh, of matinee, even though matinee is a silly, you know, comedy about, uh, um, uh, John Goodman as a, uh, what's the guy's name that he's, uh, William Castle type. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very silly. It's very funny, but, uh, it's also about people just trying not to think about the fact that they might all get obliterated by nuclear bombs at any moment. Well, it comes down to the idea of control. You know, um, if we, if we have really any control over circumstances in our lives, even if we feel like we're out of our depth, if we can actually impact those events, then it is, it provides some level of comfort. But if we literally have no control at all, uh, then it's like, okay, so we're just at the mercy of the world. And so when you watch something like 13 days, well, these are all the decision makers. And so then it just comes down to, are they going to make the right decision? Whereas in matinee, it's, I have no control over whether a bomb's going to land on me or not. 
and so the idea of of duck and cover it's the closest uh it's yeah. the closest that people could come to control or protecting themselves and of course we know that that's silly but you also realize that yeah we need to give people the impression that uh that they have some level of agency in their own lives and i think that's one of the things about the cold war in general and the threat of nuclear warfare that is so terrifying like even in 13 days they talk about like their plan for getting the their families out and one guy says like he goes he goes of course this plan is just for morale he goes once if cuba launches these missiles like we only have a few minutes like nobody's getting out um and Mm. so like even they acknowledge that this that their if things go south like their control is now very limited and that's uh that's why matinee is so fascinating to me because especially given the situation you and i are and everyone else in the world is in right now yeah where we have no control and we're all kind of uh scared and anxious um so few movies about the home front of the cold war are are, are that so mo- most of the time that I could think of and correct me if you can think of more examples, but most of the time that I could think of movies that take place domestically, but are about the cold war, they involve some sort of esp- espionage that's come to, to these shores. I'll just like everything from kiss me deadly North by Northwest, the Manchurian candidate. Um, what else did I have on here? Red Dawn obviously is a, yeah, Red uh, D- a big one. Ju- es- Jumping Jack flash. Espionage seems uh, subtle to me, and uh, Red Dawn yeah, Red Dawn is, is, is an invasion. Overt. Yeah, but it, it is about like the the war actually comes here, as opposed yeah. to there don't seem to be that many movies about just living under the fear of the Cold War. Yeah, I mean, and I think unless that's... I'm missing some. Oh, the Iron Giant is another one. That's, oh yeah. That's... Uh, uh, but still the you know the war in a, in a sense is brought to to uh the doorstep of what is his name hogarth uh okay, yes yes yeah um i guess something like the day the earth stood still um which you know the characters aren't necessarily cowering in fear but they're constantly thinking about the threat of nuclear war um right and so you have a character you know the character that comes to our shores is not a, a russian it is an alien who uh, provides a, a warning and gives you know yeah. gives uh, like verbalizes what the characters are, are thinking and what they're afraid of and that sort of thing so uh that's that's the only one i can think of off the top of my head that's a that's a good one um but yeah speaking of of espionage uh obviously we do need to get into like spy movies uh, obviously the uh, recent one is bridge of spies which is very overtly uh i forget it's it's based on a true story right yeah i think i'm sure it's heavily fictionalized but i think it is based on a true story um but uh but yeah that one is is i think what i like about that one is that you see that the the people involved even the spies themselves uh, are trying to do the, what is right for their country, but maybe they don't even totally believe in it. They're just doing their job. Uh, and it's the, usually the people at the top um, that uh, maybe are the most fanatical. Uh, not to suggest that the, that, uh, the followers can't be fanatical, but uh, when dealing with the Cold War, uh, 
because again, like it's it's not something that we talk much about the concept of the Cold War. Uh, it's this idea that it's just it's a war of information. It's a subtle war that only occasionally has these spikes of threat, like like the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, and it's unlike other wars that we know about. And so, movies about them, you know, it's why we need to. It's like okay, we need to show the possibility of what would happen if if people came over here, or we need to see James Bond or whoever being very actively involved. Which and the nature of the Cold War is that it's not active, at least not in an identifiable way, and so. To me, like the really great Cold War spy movies are all about subtlety and it's all about sort of the emotional impact of living not sometimes a double life, but also thinking like, all right, my job is to spy on my enemy, even though my enemy doesn't seem to be doing anything overtly aggressive towards me right now. Uh, and that's what you find in the spy who came in from the cold Tinker Taylor soldier spy Um and it's and I love it. I mean, like uh, two of those came out of uh, books by John Le Carre, and he writes about characters that are like the again the emotional impact of what it is to live this way. And Spy Who Came in the in from the Cold is, I think, a marvelous film. That is, it is the most anti James Bond you've ever seen. It is very dour, very depressing, and uh, I I absolutely adore it but it's not an easy movie to watch so it sounds like you prefer yeah the more realistic spy stuff to say uh 1985's uh very bad movie spies like us or um (laughs) or 2017's surprisingly good movie atomic blonde those are both cold war spy movies that are very different from one another and very different from what you're you're describing yeah i didn't see atomic blonde i have not seen spies like us in a while uh i liked it when i was a kid but i see i think that i didn't even like it when i was a kid i think that's Mm. one of the first movies that i remember like because as a kid i just liked every movie that i saw because i liked movies so much and i think Spies Like Us was one of the first times that I was like, I think this is bad. Um, <laughs> I remember, I, I still remember laughing at like the doctor scene. Oh yeah. That's very funny. I mean, obviously, very funny. Uh, and, and obviously I thought, did you, I, I can't have been the only one then who thought of that scene in last year's Jojo rabbit. When, when, when they're all high, high Hitlering oh, yes. everybody, everybody has to say hi, Heil Hitler to everyone else. Yeah. The first thing I thought of was the doctor scene from, from spies like us. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's very funny. Yeah. But the stuff at the beginning is so broad, like, uh, um, uh, and, and sometimes I don't mind broad, broad comedy, but, um, I don't know. This feels like John Landis has made some good stuff and John Landis has made some bad stuff. And I think this is in the, in the, second camp yeah for I, him. it's it's the first time that i because th- i remember very little of the film except the doctor scene and uh the the <laughs> that stupid joke about what's a dick for uh <laughs> and then dan Aykroyd says to yeah, be that's with dumb. That, it's yeah, that's so very dumb. bad and also very it's bad. the kind of thing that i laughed at when i was a kid and then as i got older i'm like well that's like also it's like well that's not the only thing that a dick that a that a dick it's fur um and but it's just like it's, and then it just got me thinking about the dan Aykroyd character and that he's very childish and then i just realized like no the whole movie is childish um that's the idea yeah. but uh Man, john landis sorry i'm looking at john landis's that's fine like obviously the blues brothers 
American Werewolf in London is one of my favorite movies of all time. Just full yeah. stop. Uh, Trading Places is great. The man did Thriller. Mm-hmm. Three Amigos. Amazon went on the moon. But then also, I don't know, Animal House. I don't think, I know it's a classic, but to, uh, I don't think it's. There's good stuff in it. It's, you know, it's, it's, no, know. it's I, no Blues Brothers, but there's good stuff in it. Okay. Um, here's one. Okay. <laughs> Here's a movie that I loved when I was a kid and has a mm. terrible reputation. Oscar. Oh yeah. Which I still have not seen despite you, uh, uh, talking about how much you liked it when you were younger. I watched it all the time when I was a kid. Um, and obviously we'll, we'll talk about it, uh, in depth on the Patreon coming up soon actually, but, uh, rest in peace, Kirk Douglas, uh, Indeed, who has yes. a cameo in Oscar. Um, all right, we should get did back John, to the... Did John Landis direct The Stupids? Yeah, I never saw that one. I did, and I enjoyed it at the time, and I remember thinking, really appreciating its commitment. Uh, I don't think I probably would have been able to phrase it that way, but I remember just really liking that they just steer right into it. Uh, but in retrospect, I, I think I probably would not uh, like it very much. Um but you know what? Now, uh, I'm, now I'm thinking of all the stuff that made me laugh, and it is still making me chuckle. So maybe I'll rewatch well, it uh, while I have some, some free time. But uh, anyway, okay, so back to business. Yeah, I, I can't remember how we got on to – oh, yeah, so we were talking about spy movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, you covered a lot of them. I mentioned, uh, yeah, Jumpin' Jack Flash, uh, not, that, not that great. Um, but I had some I was going to talk about here. Uh, you mentioned Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Uh, what did I have here? Okay, so North by Northwest I mentioned briefly earlier before, sure. but that's kind of, that's essentially a uh, a spy movie. Um, oh well. Oh yeah. Okay. So the one. Have you ever seen No Way Out? No, I haven't actually. It's a uh, it's a it's a great movie. Um, yeah, uh, and it's. It's the kind of movie you don't want to say too much about, I guess, because it has secrets uh, sure. to to give away. But um, um, but basically, uh, Kevin Costner is a uh, sort of youngish State Department employee who's um, sort of simultaneously tasked with rooting out a mole and with covering up um, the murder of a a politician, a powerful politician murdered his own mistress and he sort of has to hmm. cover up that, uh, um, uh, while, while looking for uh, a mole. Um, it's, it's really good. Um, Kevin Costner is, uh, is, is really good. And Gene Hackman plays the politician. Sean Young is the poor, um, the poor mistress. And, uh, your favorite actor of all time, Will Patton, is in it. George Zunza is in it. He's, Fred, he's great. Fred Dalton Thompson is in it. Former that, make, um, that makes sense. Former it's the, it's uh, presidential kind, candidate, right? Yeah, in two thousand eight. Uh, it's the kind of movie yeah. he would be in. He was also in Hunt for Red October, which we oh, will get to. One of my favorite character actors, Marshall Bell, is in No Way Out. Oh sure, love that guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of George Zunza, who is actually in Crimson Tide. Speaking of submarine movies. Ah, uh, yeah. So, uh, um, well, let's talk about the hunt for October then. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's, as you know, it's a film that I did not like when I was younger and 
upon watching it again many years ago, I still didn't care for it. But I think actually my love of Cold War movies and stories, I think I would probably like it a lot more now. Um, because to me, it was the idea. It's just like, oh, but not like I just didn't understand what was happening or why. But I think the idea of this, you know, Russian submarine captain defecting and then everyone trying to figure out what his motives are. I think that would uh, really appeal to me now um, more, certainly more than it did then. Uh, it also gave, I mean, it's, it's part of that, um, that, that uh, John McTiernan uh, can do no wrong trilogy sure. of uh, predator Die Hard and, and hunt for October. It's a pretty good run there. Um, but it also gave us the, uh, the, the method of, um, having characters who don't speak English speak in English. Do you remember how they do this? That at the beginning of the movie, Sean Connery is speaking Russian. Mm-hmm. And then the movie like does a close, like push in on his face and his mouth and he switches from Russian to English and it pulls back out. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie he's speaking English, but the implication is, okay, so we're just supposed to assume that all the Russian characters are speaking Russian when they're speaking to each other. Yeah. But, uh, we're going to have them speak English. Um, and I've seen that used in the variations on that, uh, used in other movies and TV shows since. Well, in ju- judgment in Nuremberg is, is I think I'd seen it in later movies but when i see it in that it's actually done really well where you are hearing maximilian shell speak german and then you are hearing the english translation because all of these characters are wearing uh you know these uh headphones and then so you're hearing him speak german then you're hearing the english and it stays like that for a while and then it does a very fast zoom and then he just switches to english and that's just where we are uh, right. but throughout the rest of the of the film even though we're hearing maximilian shell speak english uh other characters you'll see them like really pay attention to like what's coming through their uh, headphones and i remember thinking like okay good i'm glad that they still acknowledge that in the reality of the right. film they need to hear the translation um so there's I um thinking it was done really well um that i used to talk about the movie white T- the russian movie white tiger on the mm-hmm. podcast all the time i still think it's a great movie and it almost makes a sur- like a surrealist kind of joke out of when the russians and germans talk it never cheats that they say their full thing in Russian. Then the translator says it all in German. Then the Germans respond in full. Then the translator says everything they said in Russian. And the entire scenes go by without ever uh, cutting or cheating that. And it's kind of supposed to be, I think, funny. Okay, um, good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it works very well. Uh, we keep getting off of... Uh, uh, we're still talking about Russians, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's but, a big but part that's, of it. <laughs> yeah, but there are... Um, uh, I'm trying to think like at what uh, to what extent is a movie that doesn't have to do with Americans or Russians part of the Cold War like um Costa Gavras's Z or Z sure which is um I think the, in the movie it's a uh, a sort of unnamed like uh European country but it's clearly modeled on Greece that's where Costa Gavras is from mm-hmm. um or the uh, did you ever see that John Malkovich directed the dancer upstairs? No, which is I a, didn't. Yeah, I mean that to me is uh, it, it, these 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 sort of push and pulls between you know uh, um, communism you know coming in and and uh, certain forces trying to uh, keep it keep it out and playing proxies uh, with with people's lives like it 
it shows up in a lot of movies that aren't specifically like the Cold War is between the U.S. and Russia, right? I mean, right. that's what people. But there, but it shows up in in other in other countries. Well, and then so there's also the movie Cold War, which came out a couple years ago. That mm-hmm. uh, is, I believe, it's Polish, right? Yes, that's a yeah. And it does yeah. have to do with, yes, the communists taking over, but uh, I don't remember if it's specifically uh, the Russians. Um, and then uh, – Well, I mean uh, it was all – I mean the Soviet Union, they, you know, it was all – they were all under the Soviet Union. Right, right. Um, but, so, uh, yeah, it was still the Polish, uh, I guess, uh, government in in place, but they're – carrying up the Soviet Union. Right. Uh, but that, that movie also, it has both sides because they mm-hmm. go to, they escape to, to the, to the West at, at one point. Um, sorry, were you going to say more about Cold War? No, no, go ahead. Cause that's, that, that's something that I have is another category almost unto itself, which is people, you mentioned obviously Sean Connery's fictional character, uh, but defecting, but sure. you've got, uh, last year's the white crow, which I thought was not a very good movie that Ray Fiennes directed, but that's a true story of, uh, um, uh, not forget his name, but, a famous ballet, a Russian, uh, ballet dancer. Mikhail Burishnikov? You, you only, uh, no, it's uh, Rudolf Narayana. What's his name? Oh, that's right. Uh, I was looking. Um, at, I was looking at a different film starring Gene Hagman and Mikhail Baryshnikov that was a Cold War movie, but I don't remember the name of it. Sorry, I got mixed up. Uh, so he plays in this movie Rudolf Nureyev. Okay, Rudolf Nureyev. Um, and uh, yeah, what do you call? Did you say, say ballet dancer? Because a woman is a ballerina. Yeah, uh, hmm. it's just a ballet. Balletist? I don't well, know. If I remember I my say. Spanish classes, he's a ballerino. <laughs> okay, he's a ballet. So, uh, famous ballerino Rudolf Nureyev, uh, who who did defect to uh, to the West. Um, you also got the um, Christian Petzl movie Barbara from 2012, which is uh, about a um, it's about a woman who is a doctor who is. Uh, in this like sort of smaller, like East German town kind of near the border and her, I think her boyfriend or something or romantic partner has already escaped. Sorry. I haven't seen it since the theater. So it's been mm-hmm. almost a decade, but um, she's basically in this small town working at the hospital, but really she's just waiting for the people she knows who have already defected to come like collect her so she can defect too. But you know, the longer she stays in this town, the more she, makes friends and also as a doctor sort of develops a sense of responsibility to the people in the town. Um, uh, that's, it's a really, really good movie that I feel like is, uh, also very, uh, very up your alley. Tyler. Now I have not seen, uh, the lives of others. And I know that you think yeah, the neither film have is, I. is, Oh, you haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Uh, we have some, this conversation every time that movie comes up. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> for some reason, I always think that you saw it and thought it was overrated, but I'm probably thinking of somebody else. Um, but yeah, that one, but it's, come, I mean, that sounds like me. It does sound like you. Yes. Uh, but yeah, um, that's one that I've, I've heard is, uh, is very good. I own it, uh, but I have not yet watched it. So I guess I'll, uh, Put it on the list of movies that I uh, will watch during this uh, this break. It's not a break. I don't know, based, I'm still working, but what was yeah. that? Based on that guy's last movie, um, Never Look Away, right? W- which I thought was terrible. Uh, I don't know that I really want to. 
I want to see it. A lot of people liked that one, but I, yeah, I still, uh, I don't think I've seen any of that guy, any of his movies. Um, you didn't see the tourist? No, I didn't. Yeah. I think I'm fine. Um, that's, I know people make fun of, uh, uh, Ricky Gervais. People have different feelings about him hosting yeah. the golden globes, but, um, the the second year he hosted, which was the year after the tourist was nominated, yeah, and he asked Johnny Depp to his face, "Have you seen the tourist?" <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that's the thing is like Ricky Gervais, like he may be like steering into the like, "Hey, you never know what I'm going to say." He still has the capacity to be funny, and and even like when he's being offensive, uh, like purposely, sometimes his his punchline or his delivery is like, "Yeah, that's pretty funny." Uh, even if yeah. I, even if the principle of it is not, uh, to me, but, um, so I did, yeah. I, I did what, what do you think of, I think it was his first year when he did the, uh, I like a drink as much as the next man, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the next man, Mel Gibson. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's something I do. I, I, I give him credit for being willing to say whatever he wants to say. Sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't. Um, and sometimes he's, he's a little too proud of his ability, oh, his willingness. Yes. I think yeah. that's what really rubs people the wrong way is he, he really is, he really thinks he's, uh, he thinks of himself as a provocateur, which is usually not a good, uh, uh, path to go down if that's his MO. Yeah. And that's it really, it's not that different of a, of an idea as like, Oh, well, I'm just going to say what will get me applause. And it's like, well, whether it be Bill Maher or Ricky Gervais, like both of them have the capacity to be funny, but seem much more interested in getting people's approval. Now in the case of Bill Maher, it's his audience. And then in the case of Ricky Gervais, it's not the people in front of him. It's the people that are watching at home, but either way, like, you know, I, and then maybe it's the situation where if you're sympathetic with the person, maybe you do laugh. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's something that I find. I feel like the, the worst thing a comedian can do, unless it's a persona, like a genuine persona, I think the worst thing a comedian can do is like buy into themselves as like a truth teller, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Uh, okay. Now I did. Uh, like, yeah. Did you, did you ever see Fred Armisen do that character who would like read the newspaper as his act? <laughs> no. But, he wouldn't actually, he'd just like read headlines and then go like, ah, ah, like <laughs> he wouldn't actually have any jokes about it. No, I haven't. But, that yeah. sounds wonderful. Uh, He's good at those kind of things. Those like yeah. those characters that take themselves too seriously. Um, um, now going back, there's something I missed when I was talking about movies that take place on the domestic front sure. or movies that are in a sense, maybe not, maybe proxy wars or whatever. I forgot about a movie that I think is, an okay movie, but is very dear to my heart. And that's 2004's miracle. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. Which is a, uh, like bridge of spies based on a true story, but a very different true story. It's about mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of American college students, essentially, uh, beating the, um, unstoppable red army, uh, Soviet, yeah. uh, hockey team. Um, and, uh, I, I think, I don't know. There are some people who I think really respond to Gavin O'Connor as a filmmaker. Yeah. And I I think with this and warrior, like the hockey, the actual hockey scenes in miracle are awesome. Just like in warrior, the actual MMA, like in the ring scenes are really well done. 
I think he, I feel that sometimes I feel like he gets bored with the non-sports stuff of his sports movies. Um, and, and it feels kind of by the, by the, by the numbers. Um, uh, see with this war- one's helped with a little- warrior. I think he actually overcommits uh, to the non-fighting stuff. Uh, I think the performances are good in warrior, but I think he plays into like the intensity so much that it, I find it a little bit uh, eye rolling, even that, even though I do think the performances are good. Uh, and that's what I was going to say about Kurt Russell in in Miracle. He's he, he's great. Uh, I mean, as silly as his as his wig and his sport coats are, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's a it's a really really great per- performance. And definitely, uh, I mean, Miracle is obviously a, a very well regarded movie amongst American hockey fans. Yeah, and uh, speaking of the Cold War in microcosm, in the case of in in a sports situation, obviously you've got Rocky Four. Um, which I've never seen. I've only ever seen oh Rocky. Boy. I've oh. never seen any of the Rockies or Creeds. I've seen too many of them. Uh, in fact, outside of Creed two, I think I've seen them all. Uh, and not all of them are good. Uh, I'd say Rocky and then two is fine. Three is when it's like, you've got a really good, uh, villain in clubber Lang played by Mr. T, uh, but it's starting to get a little silly. Then you get to like Rocky four. It's like, okay, now we are in full on silly mode because it's not merely that the Russian boxer played by Dolph Lundgren. It's not merely that he's a good boxer. It's that like the, the Russian government has essentially programmed him, uh, and trained him in a way that like his punch, uh, can like kill a man uh, on site. And it's just uh-huh. that, that sort of thing. It's, it, he is, He's uh, uh, soulless and he lacks humanity. He is just a a killing machine. He reminds me of uh, on the tick in the in the comic books. There is a a uh, a villain named the Red Scare, and he is a communist themed villain who actually is not really a villain. He's a villain for hire, made to look uh, made to make uh, <laughs> heroes look better. Um, but then he's easily defeated. Uh, but, uh, in the, in the live action show with, uh, Patrick Warburton, the red scare was a machine that was, uh, built by Soviet Russia to kill the president of the United States, except they don't say it's not programmed to kill the president. It's programmed to kill Jimmy Carter. And so when it comes, uh, when it comes to life in the early two thousands, uh, it is just trying to kill former president Jimmy Carter. Um, and so, but I always thought like the red scare was such a great name for a, a, a supervillain. but in both cases, like, uh, the character of uh, Ivan Drago is is as ridiculous as that robot. Um, and the fact that in Creed 2, I've heard Creed 2 is great. And yet the fact that it is rooted very firmly in the events of Rocky 4, where Ivan Drago is is a character and, and it's about his son uh, fighting against uh, Apollo Creed's son. It's just like, I'm sure the, again, by all accounts, the film is well made and well acted, but it's just like, it's it's it has a basis in silliness um but i'll still i'll probably still watch and i'm sure i'll enjoy it but at the same time it's just like oh you're you're trying to get real drama out of an inherently ridiculous concept um but yeah rocky four you should watch it i think you would uh have a good laugh at it but well i have to see two and three first yeah i'd be i'd be completely lost 
I don't know if I can uh, speak to that, but uh, you know what? You probably because of the the recurring characters. Yes, maybe you should watch two and three first. Um, so uh, there, are, I only have a few other movies on my list here. Yeah. but I, I did want to talk I, about. You know, we we have like these. We've been talking about like Russian spies, but we haven't talked a lot about like actual like American characters who are spying for the Russians. Um, there aren't many, uh, there in Tinker Taylor soldier spy. We deal with that. And obviously in the movie, Breach, that's a British character though, isn't it? A British character. Yes. Pardon me. Um, but, uh, yeah. the movie, the movie breach, uh, yep. uh, Chris Cooper plays. It's a great movie. I love it. Um, and he plays a character who you don't really know if he is, I don't think he's ideologically on board with, uh, Soviet Russia, but he is definitely doing their work for them. And it def it, there's a, one of the things I like about bridge of spies is that it actually kind of undercuts the idea that like, when I think of Chris Cooper, I, I find his character uh, sympathetic to a point, but it's also this idea. It's like, why on earth would you spy for this other country? You're an American. And it's just like, yeah, bridge of spies. Like, yeah, it's all just people and they're doing whatever they got, whatever they feel like they have to do. It could be wrong, genuinely like morally or politically wrong. And yes, there are treason, uh, laws and all that. But at the same time, like to, to just inherently say like, well, you're, you're from this country, but you're spying against this country. And it's like, meanwhile, if, if a Russian did that against the, the Soviet government, we'd be all for it. And so that's one of the things that I, I don't love bridge of spies, but it's one of the things I love about it is, uh, is its attitude. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's, uh, uh, yeah, I'll run through a few of the ones that I didn't get to, um, including, I think the earliest one on my list that I'm not sure if it quite counts specifically as a cold war movie, but it's clearly cold war informed. And that's the third man. It is um, informed. I, I thought about putting it on my list. It's, I don't think it officially qualifies, but I think it, it is informed by it. Yes. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, you meant, cause you had mentioned the day the earth stood still like, I'm not sure when by the, by the mid fifties. And I mentioned kiss me deadly. Like, I feel like the, the cold war is becoming a thing by that point. Yeah. Um, um it's very in vogue, but, uh, yeah. So, okay. The third man. Oh, I didn't mention, 1954's CIA co-produced animated version of animal farm. Yes. Yes. Uh, that is is on my list. It is, I mean, certainly, uh, uh, George Orwell wrote it as an indictment of the Soviet union. Um, but what I like is that we didn't real, like people didn't know about the CIA involvement until fairly recently, uh, like in the last 15, 20 years, I think. Um, and, uh, it definitely makes a lot more sense. I mean, certainly it's uh, books get adapted all the time, but the idea it's like, I, you can just see the, the suits at the CIA being like, Hey guys, I've got an idea. Um, and, uh, it is, it is very, it's a, it's a fine movie. It's a fine adaptation. Have you, have you ever seen it? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember, uh, liking it. Um, so, um, Okay, running through, I'm still going chronologically. 1962's The Damned, or These Are the Damned, directed by Joseph Losey, which is a uh, movie about 
you know, it's got a, it's a sixties, like motorcycle biker gang movie. An American gets beat up by a biker gang and, but then he steals their girl or whatever. But then he, while running from the biker game, he discovers an underground bunker where military experiments are done on children who are, uh, genetically predisposed to survive the coming nuclear holocaust. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool movie. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, I didn't mention Clue, which is technically a spy movie. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong, uh, com- communism is just a red herring, but yes, it's. Yeah. Uh, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, uh, JFK is undoubtedly a Cold War movie. Sure. Uh, hard to argue otherwise. Oh, here's one I actually wanted to talk about. Okay. Because it's it's not a very well uh, known movie, and I think it was kind of mixed critically when it came out. And that's 2001's Buffalo Soldiers. Oh, which I never saw. Oh, I thought I thought you did. So it's a pitch black comedy that is. It takes place on a military base in West Germany. Oh wait, there's the one with Joaquin Phoenix, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yes. Okay. Yes, I saw it. Okay, so it takes place on a military base in West Germany at the end of the cold. Like, so it's basically a bunch of soldiers who were fighting a war that never officially existed to begin with, and now doesn't really exist anymore. But they're still kind of going through the motions of of it. And it's so it's a it's a very very cynical movie about uh, about military service um, uh, and, and a very dark comedy. Um, I'm not sure how well it holds up. Somehow we both forgot to mention spy game also from 2001, a movie oh, that you and I right. both really like, yeah. uh, uh, a Tony Scott joint, um, in which, uh, <laughs> um, which I, I can't, really, it take, I think the movie itself take the, the present day of the movie is the present day, 2001. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, uh, Robert Redford, uh, plays a sort of, CIA higher up former spy himself, but now a higher up Brad Pitt plays his protege that he trained and Brad Pitt has been captured and the CIA wants to like disavow, I think. Yeah. And so Robert Redford finds a way to sort of go off the, off the farm as it were and, um, save Brad Pitt. But then the story is also told of their relationship. So you get uh, a bunch of spy stuff, in flashbacks, including stuff that does definitely involve the cold war and like sneaking, uh, uh, informants and, and defectors out of, out of East Germany. Um, yeah, spy games a really cool movie. I kind of want to watch it again right now. Um, what else? So, uh, do you have anything to say about spy game? Cause I know you love it. I I've not seen it in, uh, since we watched it. So outside oh, okay. of, uh, you know, you and I've talked about its uh, depiction of vomiting, um, outside yeah. of that, I don't remember yeah. much about it. Okay. Let me run through a couple more and then I'll give a few more and I'll give uh, K 19, the Widowmaker, sure. uh, Catherine Bigelow film. Yeah. Uh, goodbye Lenin from 2003, um, oh, yeah. which is a movie sort of about, uh, um, I guess someone in the opposite position of the Buffalo soldiers. They're Germans in East Germany as the reunification is happening. And, uh, the main character is trying to, hide the end of the Soviet union from his mother, who's a true believer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a, uh, political comedy, um, that's, uh, uh, occasionally effective, occasionally a little too cutesy, I think. Um, 
all right, 2009's Watchmen. I know it's uh Oh sure, yeah. I mean really I I only mention it cuz we're talking about movies here really that the source material is where the Soviet the Cold War stuff comes from. I don't think Zack Snyder cares that much about it. Yeah. Um and uh oh somehow we forgot to mention 2017's The Shape of Water, which is absolutely oh, yeah, I think a, a a Cold War uh a Cold War movie. So that was uh that's my whole list there. Okay, so um I wanted to mention Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's not a good movie, but the villains here are the Soviet Russians as opposed to uh, the Nazis. It takes place in the 1950s. Um, the Manchurian Candidate uh, is one that we, oh, yeah. we uh, I think we mentioned and then and breezed over. But that's another one actually right. where you have a character uh, in uh, Lawrence Harvey's mom played by – uh, Angela Lansbury, that she herself is is uh, working with uh, the communists, and it's uh, boy, what a wonderful film! Um, yeah, and then uh, and so I did want to talk about Failsafe and Doctor Strangelove together, of course. Okay, um, I've never seen Failsafe actually. Oh, it's 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 the serious version of Doctor Strangelove, um, right? And, but that's the thing is, just because we've seen the funny version doesn't mean that the 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 drama lacks power it actually is very powerful um but uh you know we were talking about uh 13 days and the idea of we see the people that are in power and the pressure that they're under to make the right decision and in that everybody both the americans and the russians made the right decision thankfully um but then when you get with Failsafe and Dr. Strangelove, probably more Dr. Strangelove, but you have not merely like the mad general, but you also realize that, oh, the people that like we have no power and the people that do have power are idiots or they're ridiculous or <laughs> or they're, you know, in the case of Failsafe, where it's just like the characters are intelligent, but they themselves feel like they don't have any choice but to do X, Y and Z. And so, you know, you watch those two films together and you really are just like, oh, we are all just doomed. Um, and uh, I do. I adore uh, both. I adore Dr. Strangelove and Fail, Failsafe is a really great movie uh, as well that has been uh, overshadowed by Strangelove. But it is definitely worth seeking out. Um, so I think that's about that's it for for my list as well. Hopefully listeners got some good recommendations out of this. Yes. Yes. I hope so. Um, so, uh, well, I guess you can find us at battleship Um, you can email us at David at battleship or Tyler at battleship That's where you'll want to email Tyler your, um, what do you think are the top 15 movies of the 2010s and do that before April 15th? Yes. Rank, um, uh, please rank them, please. Uh, I said, please. Twice. Yes. Yes, please rank them, please, is what you need to do. That's true. Um, what else? Um, you uh, So, yeah, definitely do that. You can uh, follow me, David, on Twitter at Davey Pretension. You can also read my reviews and stuff on the website. Uh, on the website this week, I reviewed uh, George Mahalka's My Bloody Valentine. Um, I, I reviewed the new uh, cartoon Blu-ray of Antonio Gaudi. Um Alex wrote about girlfriends for his criterion prediction. Uh, and this month on the Patreon, which you should definitely sign up for, mm-hmm. uh, or this week on the Patreon, we did a, a mailbag. We answered your questions, uh, you being the Patreons. So <laughs> I, I say the, it so the accusatorily, but yeah. <laughs> um, but if you want, if you have questions for us, 
become a Patreon subscriber, $2, $5, or $10 a month Mm -hmm. uh, gets you varying uh, levels of content and access. And that's a patreon.com slash battleship pretension. Uh, Tyler, you can find on Twitter at Tyler pretension. Uh, What else do you have to plug this week, Tyler, besides your documentary on the rise of Arizona Senator Kirsten cinema? (laughs) Um, yeah, uh, so at more than one lesson, uh, I haven't done an episode in a while, but I predict there are more episodes to come, uh, because I am going to have more time and I definitely have uh, stuff to talk about. So, uh, probably within the next week I will be doing, you've got something to say. What? (laughs) I said, you've got something to say. Well, I know that's from strangers with candy. I just wasn't sure how that, how that applies. You literally said I have things to talk about. Oh yes, indeed. Sorry, uh, I get. I sometimes I just talk <laughs> you weren't and listening I don't to listen yourself. To no, because I knew because I knew where I was headed, uh, right. which is that uh, probably the next episode will be about uh, the Invisible Man, which I I really adore, and which people are going to be able to uh, watch at home very soon. Uh, yeah. I guess by the time this episode goes up, they'll be able to to watch it. So anyway, um, right. But yeah, uh, that's about it. Hopefully everybody uh, is uh, staying safe and staying away from uh, others and catching up on movies and reading and uh, maybe getting to get, you know, getting to be reacquainted with your loved ones. Yeah, that's a nice way of of thinking about it. I feel very uh, grateful that I um, am able to work from home and that I live with my wife that I love and we have a loving relationship. I feel bad for people you know, children who are in uh, abusive homes or, 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 or people who maybe are uh, lonely or prone to depression. So, um, definitely I think, uh, reach out to your friends maybe, uh, uh during this time, sure. you know, there's increased, uh, I- increased, uh, technology that I've been hesitant to embrace myself, but that we might, uh, you know, we had a, uh, couples, uh, weekend, uh, planned coming up that obviously we had to to cancel um but we're planning on uh doing a a a big uh google hangout uh (laughs) during one of those days with the couples that we were supposed to be Hmm. drinking wine with and 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 so yeah maybe uh use this time to to not just be reacquainted with the loved ones that you share your home space with but make sure to stay in touch with people um uh who might need a, a you know a friendly voice absolutely yes All right. So thank you so much for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 